0: going to get started tonight. It's good to see everybody. I'm thankful that you're here. And to begin with tonight, we're going to give out uh, awards. We're going to enjoy our FW Award ceremony. This is the year-end uh, ceremony, and so uh, we're going to turn it over to FW friends at this time.
1: Is this on? Oh, yeah, it's on.
2: All right. So I'm going to have my two older classes come on and get up on stage. They're going to do two songs for you guys tonight that we've been working on on Wednesdays. We've been doing a few different songs, and they've been having a lot of fun, and so they're going to do that for you guys tonight. And then at the end of the second song, they've got a little surprise that we've been working on, so enjoy
0: it. How are you? Let's see you, man. Well, I haven't seen him yet.
3: Thank you for being here tonight so that we can congratulate our kids for working hard this year. And um, I do have an announcement to make. Um, My mom had a stroke in March, and due to that fact, um, I am going to have to pass the baton of the leadership of the FW Friends, the school age program that we have. I'm passing that baton on to somebody else. But this person is my sister in Christ. And she has worked with FW Friends for the last several years. And so we are going to be in terrific hands. And they are going to have an awesome year because she's still going to have a good team to work with. But um, I talked to Pastor Luke and to Pastor Cole, and they have approved. And so the new um, leader for the FW Friends next year will be Miss Christy Armstrong. So your kids are going to have an awesome year next year. Okay, I have the three, four, and five-year-olds. So if they would come up, I'm going to try to get them all up here. I'm feeling brave tonight. We've been working on John 3.16, so I want them to tell you that verse. And one of my students in her preschool or kindergarten class, I'm not sure which one, she learned John 3.17. So when we get there, we're going to drop out, and she's going to tell you John 3.17 because it's important too. Okay, you ready? For God
4: so
5: loved the world
4: that he he gave his only only begotten begotten son. Son, That whosoever be believes in, in him should, should not perish, but have everlasting, everlasting life. life. But God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but through the world might be saved through him.
3: John 3 16, 16 and
4: 17. And 17. And 17. And 17. <laughs> okay
3: we're gonna give you your banners we're gonna present our kids their banners and then um, boys and girls listen to me for just a minute family turn around listen when I give you your banner if your mom or dad are here I want you to go ahead and take your banner to them and you can sit with them for just a little bit and then when you see us going out, you come with us because after we finish presenting awards, we're gonna have pizza and cupcakes and you're not gonna wanna miss it, okay? All right, so our first banner goes to AJ. Our second banner goes to Anna. Our next banner goes to Ella, and then we have a banner for Finley and Kenny. Kenny, go sit with, with Mama. Minute. minute, go take your banner. And also, we have a banner full for Tyler. Let's see. Tyler, your daddy is right back there. Oops, sorry. (laughs) And I am going to pass it now, as I'm passing the baton. (laughs) My last official duty to Miss Christie.
1: Okay. I hate this part. I don't like, I love giving awards, but I don't like talking in front of y'all, so. Anyway, um, I have the first, second, and third graders, and so I'm just going to call them. We've got several that are not here. I need your help. (laughs) All right. Um, First, we have Julie. I don't think Julie's here tonight. Um, Cross. Taven. We have Gabriel, but he doesn't seem to be here tonight. Annabella. Um, we had a tie for second place in our class this quarter. Um, first it's Parker. and also in second place was Tyler and our first place for uh, this quarter was Ava Um, now we also um, give out yearly awards Um, I'll do second place first This person, she started in our class towards the um, end of last year. And we were working on the books of the Bible. And she said, I don't remember things very well. I was like, it's okay, we're going to learn them. Well, if you look at her banner, (laughs) it's full of buttons. Because she's always here. She always has her Bible. She um, always has a smile on her face. And she knows her books of the Bible. Our second place for the whole year... Is Ava C. Now in our class, the end of last quarter, we had like ten kids in our class, and Miss Cindy had two, two to four, and so um, we asked a couple if they'd like to go ahead and move up a little early, (laughs) just to even things out because. To a class too small or a class too big is no fun for them or to teach. Um, so then it came the end of the year, and Cindy and I tried to figure out what was the most fair way to do it. And um, this person, in the two quarters that she was in my class, she had the most points um, still for the entire year. So first place goes to Hannah Grace. And I'm going to turn it over to Cindy.
2: Thank you. So Misty and I teach the Mighty Oaks, 4th, 5th, and 6th grade. And our class isn't quite as fun as the others because we have to do a lot of thinking and a lot of writing. But we still have a good time. Will you hold these for just a minute? So um, the kids have been working hard, um, and we've got banners to give out today, too. Now, Chloe Bear, I don't think she's here tonight. We'll make sure she gets that. And I do have to um, explain why some of mine are missing a name. So I went on vacation in December, and all of my banners disappeared. So we, we started over. But anyway, Ayla also has some pens. So Cross, will you make sure your sister gets this? Oh, great. Thank you. And then next we have Kylie. Is Kylie uh, out tonight? Okay, and let's see what else we have here. Camden Clark. (laughs) Okay, and as Christy mentioned, Hannah was in the other class, so she has all of her buttons. Hannah Grace. (laughs) And then Tobin thank you sir all right so we're still talking about quarterly awards so this time our top two number two um, is Hannah Grace we counted her for the quarter since she was in my class and I'll bring it back to you so you don't have to climb over all these boys and then number one was Camden Clark congratulations now let's talk about the yearly awards Uh, these two are continually excel and do a great job they do everything they're supposed to do and we are very proud of all of you guys but these these guys are here all the time they bring their bibles they bring visitors and learn their memory verses and second place is kylie Britt, and she's not here but her mom will make sure she gets that for her trophy case All right, and now number one, let's have a round of applause for Camden Clark. (laughs) Thank you. Congratulations. All right, I'm going to turn it back over to Miss Lori.
3: We're finished. We'll turn it back over to Pastor Luke. (laughs)
0: our all the hard work they do all right I want to invite you to stand with us we're going to pray tonight and uh, again we thank the Lord for our children's ministry and the investment our teachers are making in our kids, and uh, what a blessing to hear from them tonight. Uh, As we open in a word of prayer, I do want to pray. Ms. Stephanie texted me and mentioned her dad, Denny, who's having heart surgery. Let's do pray uh, for him, and uh, I'm sure there are many other needs uh, represented here tonight as well. So as we pray, let's take those things to the Lord right now. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, we thank you for our kids, for our teachers and our our children's ministry and the investment they've made in the lives of these children. And God, we just pray that as they get older, they would grow up and love Jesus and serve him with everything they have. Uh, Father, we pray your blessings over each of them. God, we do lift uh, Denny tonight to you, Lord, Miss Stephanie's dad. Lord, he needs healing to take place in his life. And God, we pray that you would use doctors, nurses, um, Lord, to intervene and and minister to his body. And Lord, I pray that he would fully recover. Uh, Lord, uh, another that comes to mind is uh, Dr. Russ Moots of Southeastern, who's just gone through brain surgery today. Uh, Lord, I pray, I thank you that it went well, and I pray, God, that they were able to get uh, all of the tumor, and God, that healing would just take place in the days ahead, and that uh, we would rejoice. Uh, Lord, only you can receive glory uh, for healing in someone's life. So, Father, we do lift these things to you. God, watch over us tonight. Be with us during the course of this service. We thank you for this opportunity to be together, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Giving tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask His blessing uh, over the offering tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Ryan to lead us in prayer. We are beginning to learn for the month of June. Can you all believe we're in the month of June? Good night, God. Hey, we are almost halfway to Christmas. Uh, What a blessing. Let's uh, stand. We're going to say our verse for the month of June, and uh, what a reminder this is to us. So let's commit this to memory. Uh, Let's say this together. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for your word tonight. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to learn this verse together. And, Lord, help us embrace that truth that Jesus shared. It's more blessed to give. Literally, we are happier when we give than when we receive. So, Father, tonight we just ask you, God, to work in our hearts, our lives, through uh, the singing, and, Lord, through your word as it's preached here in just a moment. Lord, we thank you for each person here. You know what each person's carrying. Uh, Lord, you know what's on each of our hearts, our minds. And God, we just trust you with all of that tonight. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, Aren't you thankful to be a child of God? I hope everyone here tonight is. Um, Take your Bibles, go to Psalms 23. It's great to have Leah with us tonight. Uh, She is Pastor Brian Williams' daughter from Buffalo, New York. He used to pastor the church here, for those that may not have known that. And uh, I tell you, PKs are just used to working everywhere they go, so she just come in and we asked her to sing tonight, amen? And so, I appreciate her and thankful she's with us tonight. Um, Psalms 23, this evening, uh, as we continue in our series of Psalms 23, I I can't say enough how much this has helped me uh, in recent days in my life. Uh, How many understand... We live in a very uncertain and confused world. Uh, In fact, we live in such an uncertain world and confused world that truth is often uh, confusing to many. Um, I heard one of the most truth-filled and truth-packed sermons I've heard in a very long time at the close of our state meeting. Uh, Can you believe it that the pastor that preached at the end of our state meeting preached on sensibility toward sexual sin? Uh, to a room full of mostly pastors, pastors' wives, staffs at churches, and boy, it was it was much needed and a help. I thank God for the truth that convicts and it challenges. Um, I'm thankful for the Word of God that we lean on and live by. And I tell you, Psalms 23 is packed with truth that impacts our daily lives. Uh, This series, I titled it Fear Less. And just really quick, we can fear less because of our relationship. We learned that from verse 1, our relationship with the shepherd. Uh, We can fear less because of our rest the shepherd provides, verse 2. Our restoration the shepherd gives, verse 3. Our reputation, or the reputation rather, of the shepherd, uh, verse 3. And then our resilience because the shepherd is with us, verse 4. How many are thankful that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you and his rod and his staff comfort you? Tonight we're going to talk about replenishment, replenishment from the Redeemer by the Redeemer. And I believe this is going to help us tonight. Let's read Psalms 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Tonight's focus is verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Again, in Psalms 23, we find what we need for every day of our lives. And I trust that you are learning that as we look at this verse by verse. Uh, And tonight, verse 5 is going to be our focus. In tonight's verse, we find... Uh, that our shepherd gives you and I everything we need in life to keep going. Um, I probably would say that there are are others besides myself in this room who have felt like giving up maybe at some point or quitting, maybe throwing in the towel, and you wonder, how am I going to keep going? Well, verse 5, we learn that the shepherd gives us everything we need to keep going. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had the, uh, the worst idea that I've had in a long time, and that was for me and Amanda to hike Mount Mitchell. <laughs> and uh, not a great decision. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was a good decision, a lot of, lot, of, lot of exercise that day for sure. Uh, thankfully, we chose one of the easier paths, and uh, as we walked with our kids and, and family that met us up there, arriving at where we were trying to get wasn't too bad. But when we got to the end and we realized, you know what? We don't want to go all the way back. Uh, We need to just go get the car. So the men set out to go get the cars. And so we set out to go back uh, the way we came, and boy, it was uphill and uh, jumping over limbs and all kinds of stuff. It was uh, at points we had to stop and rest. Uh, At points, you're sitting there wondering, like, what have I gotten myself into? How much farther... Do I I have to go? Your legs are burning. You're tired. Your heart's pounding. Uh, You ever uh, been in a strenuous workout and your legs feel like jelly, just kind of wobbling? That's kind of how we all felt. How can we keep going often sometimes is the question we ask. I wonder how many have asked that question spiritually. How can I keep going? I feel exhausted, hurt, disoriented, and spent. Um... Now, I'll stop right here and say this. Growing up in the home that I did, being a pastor's kid my whole life, God calling me in the ministry, I can tell you, I know what it's like to be spiritually wore out. I know what it's like to be spent. Um, and if I'm real honest, I, I, had no, I had no desire to do what I'm doing now uh, when, my, when I got married and we, when we left the home. We didn't have this desire. And a lot of that was rooted in our exhaustion and our being spent, and and so much that you give uh, in that life. How can we keep going? David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shares with us tonight that God replenished him when he was spent by providing much-needed refreshment. He says again in verse 5, Notice you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Three things tonight I want us to notice in this verse. We are replenished by provision. Number one, we're replenished by provision. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Uh, The first thing we need to notice here is this. We need to notice the what of God's provision. The what of God's provision. We see it says that he prepares a table before me. When you think of this, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I don't think of running through a drive-thru and grabbing something quick to eat. This isn't like going through McDonald's or Taco Bell and grabbing something quick for you and your family uh, on your way home. Don't think of eating out. Think of, you know, when you think of preparing a table before me, man, that's just, you think of like Thanksgiving lunch, you know? I mean, it's all this massive spread. Everything's ready, prepared. My mom and dad have five children. Uh, they're soon to have 20 grandchildren. And none of those that are on the way, is me and Amanda's. I'm getting too old for that. Look, it's, it's become a madhouse at Thanksgiving when you have that many people in the same place. But Mom always, and my sister Katie has a lot to do with this, has the tables decorated, the candles, the fall decor, uh, the smell of, of smoked turkey and all the sides and the desserts filling the, the fellowship hall. Someone prepared a table for this gathering. David says that you prepare a table before me. Now, try to imagine this with me. You arrive home after an exhausting day at the office. Your feet hurt. You're wore out. But There's a pleasant aroma filling the air. Someone's in the kitchen preparing supper. You lower the recliner. You get out of the chair to go see if there's anything you can do to help, but you're sent back to the recliner because the person says, I've got this handled. Let me prepare this for you. So you prop your feet up, you rest, you relax as this person prepares a meal before you. When it's done, you come to the table. And as you eat, your strength is replenished, your energy restored. That's the picture that David is painting of preparing a table before me. David's sharing with all of us that this is what God does for each of us. This is what he does for you and for me. He prepares a table before us. And it's important to notice that this is in the present tense. He's using the present tense. This is something that God continually does for his people. He prepares a table before them. This is a magnificent picture to tell you that, listen, God will replenish you. He will replenish you by giving you strength. As you are strengthened by a good meal, so you will be replenished by the Lord himself When he prepares a table before you. That's the what of God's provision, but we also need to notice the where of God's provision. Now, this is interesting because he says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. In the presence of your enemies. Who's the writer? All right, y'all wake up with me. I know everybody's, you know, it's been a long day. Some of you are tired. Some of you are weary. Hey, look, I know what it's like. I really know what it's like to try to stay awake on a Wednesday night. I do. Back from the Chick-fil-A days and leading worship and all that, I get through up here, and I come out here and sit right here on the second row to just try to stay awake. And uh, some nights I didn't quite stay awake, and then I get that dreaded question from Pastor Kay my father-in-law, what I preach on tonight? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know what we sang. <laughs> you know, <laughs> look, I get it. I know you're tired. But let's try to be awake to answer this. Who's the writer of Psalms 23? David. David's the writer of Psalms 23. We, have, we know that. We've learned that throughout, throughout this series. We know that life for David was one battle after the other. We know that his life was anything but bliss on this side of eternity. Uh, we know he did not live a problem-free life in his early days, he was a shepherd. We know he was despised by his older brothers. We know he took out a lion and a bear. We know he confronted Goliath and killed Goliath. We know that Saul got jealous after he killed Goliath and sought to take David's life. Uh, we know that eventually king, uh, David was anointed as king, and he became king. Um, he inherited a divided kingdom. People were filled with resentment and trust issues. You stressed for David yet? <laughs> I mean, this was his life. Anything but blissful. In his later years, David suffered as his family was torn apart because of abuse and violence and death. He had to run for his life. Not just from Saul, but his own son raised a revolt against him. And David had a rough time. How did David keep going? How did he keep going in his life of faith? How will you keep going in light of the many stresses, burdens, and problems you face in your life? All of the things that challenge you. The anxiety, the depression, the loneliness, the uncertainty and insecurities that we battle and we face. Hey, look, and it's okay to be, to be real and authentic in church. Look, I, I was very real last week as I talked about my own battle with anxiety and depression after Landon's passing. Look, I, I know what some of these things are like. I know what it is to like, try to hide it as best you can. From people, especially those closest to you, and we have a tendency to do that in the church, anyway, don't we? We just like to hide, we hide that stuff. We don't want to let our flaws be seen, but God knows them all. And we have things that we battle. We have battles we face, just similar to David. We know what our stresses and our burdens are. God prepared a table for David. He replenished David's strength. Watch, even in the presence of his enemies. He replenished his strength even in the presence of his enemies. And what God did for David, he'll do for me and you. Even in the presence of anxiety, God will replenish you. Even in the presence of, of loneliness, God will replenish you. In depression, God will replenish you. Even in the presence of grief, God will replenish you. These things that war against us that sink to zap us of our energy, God says, look, I will prepare a table, I will replenish you. Look, whatever we find ourselves in in life, stressed, anxious, fearful, burdened, sad, lonely, depressed, poor, rich, exhausted, weaker, to the point of giving up, listen, God will replenish you wherever you're at. That is the point. He prepares a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. That tells me wherever I'm at, God will replenish me. Now, I have a question here for us, let's let's put our thinking caps on again. What did the table mean in the life of Jesus Christ? What did the table mean in the New Testament when you come to the life of Christ? We see here the psalmist says, You prepare a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies. Jesus knew, Psalms 23. What did the table mean in his life? Turn with me real quick to Matthew 26. Turn to Matthew 26 with me. And let's notice what it says. What did the, did the table mean in the life of Christ? Now look at verse 20 with me. It says, now when the evening came, 26 and verse 20, now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. He was reclining at the what? Table with the 12 disciples. As they were eating, he said, truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Behold, being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord, and he answered, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him, but woe to Him! By that, uh, woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after blessing, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said to them, saying, drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for, the, uh, for many for the forgiveness of sins. We see here in Matthew 26, what did the table mean to Christ? Well, we see that Jesus did more than prepare a meal. Church, listen, he was the meal. He was the meal. You see, Jesus spiritually replenishes us by giving us himself. He said, I am the bread of life, and whoever feeds on me will live because of me. Now tell me, did Jesus prepare a table in the presence of his enemies? Yes, he did. Because the very one that betrayed him was sitting at the table with him. You see, that's what the table meant in the life of Christ. Hey, aren't you thankful we have replenishment through the life of Christ, through his death on the cross? We have spiritual replenishment through Christ. I want you to notice that we are replenished by provision, but not only provision, we are replenished by purpose. By purpose. How many tonight understand, now listen to me, God, every eye right here, God still has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you. Isn't it just replenishing and refreshing to say that out loud, that God has a purpose for me? God still has a purpose. Look at the second part of verse 5. What does he say? He says, you have anointed my head with oil. You have anointed my head with oil. We see in this phrase, we see a reminder. I want you to notice that there's a reminder. David says, you've anointed my head with oil. And when you read the Old Testament, you come to understand that oil is used to commission certain individuals for the work of God that, that God had called them to. Prophets, priests, and kings were all anointed because because God had given them a particular assignment. You see, in the table that we just talked about, we're reminded that God will provide all we need to be strengthened. Hallelujah, thank the Lord for that. Even in the presence of our enemies, whatever we're facing, God provides everything we need to be strengthened. In the oil, we are reminded that God still has a purpose for our lives. There's a beautiful description of how Aaron, Moses' brother, was anointed with oil as a sign that God had chosen him to serve as a high priest. And in Psalms 33, in verse 1 and 2, it says this Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It doesn't sound like it was just a little splash of oil that was poured over Aaron. The anointing oil was poured over his head. It ran over his beard and dripped onto his collar. It soaked his robes. When David said, you anoint my head with oil, it's highly likely that he was thinking about the time when he was anointed as king. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. 1 Samuel 16 says this, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Here's the point. The oil is a reminder that God gives purpose, a calling, an assignment. Everyone in this room has an assignment from God, has a purpose from God for you living, for you being here. In the Old Testament, it's true, there were only a few that were anointed with oil. But can I tell you, in the New Testament, every believer is anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's not uh, something special that's just given to pastors or or, or religious elites. It's given to every believer. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit. Look, David, there's a reminder here for David. I have anointed you with oil. He's anointed my head with oil. There's a reminder, but there's also rejuvenation. Don't miss this. When you lose sight, Now watch, when you lose sight of your purpose, and that often happens, doesn't it? We lose sight of what God wants us doing. And it's true, we can get wrapped up in all the religiosity of today, and the rituals and all the stuff, especially in this area of the country. We can get wrapped up in all this stuff that we lose sight of our purpose. Our problems come into view, and our problems, the things, the situations, the circumstances of life can become our obsession And and truthfully, that's a painful place to be. When problems are our obsession, that's a tough life. That's a rough way to live life. A sense of purpose rejuvenated David. David's like, God's given me this work to do. I've been called of God. I've been anointed. Look, when we lose sight of our purpose, we become exhausted, drained, moody, and truthfully hard to be around. Isn't it true that we, just, we live in a culture where everything is supposed to be easier? Everything's supposed to be easier. How many of your lives, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of your lives maybe got a little bit more complicated when smartphones were invented? Got a little bit more stressful. Everything in our culture is supposed to be easy, but yet it's not. Have so many distractions, we lose sight of our purpose. That's why we lack spiritual energy and fervor and excitement for the things of God anymore. You've heard me talk recently about God dealing with me about my perspective. Again, pastors have the hardest time, maybe of any, about keeping their perspective in the right place. Boy, God has rejuvenated my spirit in the last couple of months. And it's helped me fix my eyes on things that he's doing. To Help me see that he's still at work in this world and he still has a calling on my life. He still has work for Luke to do. Look, church, he's got work for you to do. He's got a purpose for your life. Get your eyes refocused and regeared on what God desires for you to accomplish. It may not be a preacher or or someone who's up here in front of people. It may be somebody out in the, the workplace or just being a servant in the community. But do what God's called you to do and you will find out very quickly there's no greater fulfilling place to be in life. Then when you're fulfilling God's calling on your life. See, God has work for you to do. Ephesians 2.10, the Apostle Paul said, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So write this question down. What has God called me to do? What has he called me to do? Do you know what God's called you to do? Because if we're not careful, we often pursue things in life. You know, when I, when I was younger, this was true of me. Young people, it could be true of you too. We often start out on some career path without even seeking God. We haven't even asked God, God, what do you want me to do? I about ended up in the Air Force. which wouldn't have been a bad thing. wouldn't have been a bad thing. I, you know, I was pursuing owning a Chick-fil-A at one point. wouldn't have been a bad thing to do that. But it wasn't what God wanted me to do. Look, find what God wants you to do. Pursue His calling. Here's another question for us. What did anointing mean for Jesus? I asked what did the table mean for Christ? What did the anointing mean for Christ? Just a few weeks ago, I pointed us to a passage where Jesus walked into the house of a religious leader by the name of Simon. Y'all remember this woman? Her name was, y'all remember? Mary. Mary who walked in and broke open a jar of perfume, of ointment. And she anointed the feet of Christ. She wiped them with her hair. And Jesus said this, she has done a beautiful thing. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Now think about this. David was anointed king. Jesus was anointed for burial. What was the purpose of the life of Christ. What was the calling placed upon his life? And that was this to give his life for the sheep. You see, Jesus was anointed for death and burial so that you and I could be given eternal life. He died so that we could live. And he anoints his own with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit so that we may be equipped to fulfill the work that God has prepared for us to do. Look, we're per- replenished through. Provision, we're replenished through purpose. But notice number three, and lastly tonight, we're replenished through praise, through praise. Notice the last part of verse 5. He says, my cup overflows or runs over, or King James runneth over. My cup overflows. Now, take really quick note of these things. I want you to notice a life-crushing mentality a life-crushing mentality. Uh, You want a miserable existence. Here it is. You want a miserable existence. This is is a miserable existence. There's a depressing view of Christianity that we can all fall into. I think we'll all find ourselves, look, we have fallen into this at some time in our life of faith, our journey of faith. I know that I have, and it affects everything, and it goes something like this. In this life, you're going to be troubled on every side. In this life... You're going to have problems everywhere, and somehow you've got to get through it. Somehow you've got to make it through this. You have to persevere. You've got to stick it out. You have to put up with it. And if you do, you'll be blessed in the end. When your life in this world is over, you will go to heaven, and then you'll experience joy. Hey, that's a true statement. That's a wonderful thing. What I can tell you is God is changing my perspective. There's a, there's a difference in the way we need to think here. This depressing view essentially says life stinks. (laughs) You know, life stinks, we need to endure it, but heaven's coming. Heaven's coming. But this isn't what David's saying here. David in this verse is not saying life stinks. I've already explained again everything David's gone through in his life. He's not saying life stinks. He's saying my cup overflows. How many understand Christians ought to exhibit some joy in this life we ought to exhibit some type of excitement in this life because we serve the creator of it all who's given us freely all things to enjoy the apostle Paul said and so David is no way here saying look be depressed life stinks he is saying my cup overflows so a life-crushing mentality is to think that every day of my life's going to stink until I get to heaven And that's truthfully, that's where the devil wants you to stay at because would you agree that it's kind of hard to be used when you're living every day with that mentality? Nobody wants to serve a God that every day of your life on this earth stinks. And so if you're living life in such a way that you're portraying every day of my life stinks, nobody's attracted to the God that you serve. And so, boy, that's a life-crushing mentality. Hey, but look, there's a life-changing mentality that we can have. We've established that David's a man who experienced many, many troubles in his life, but yet he says, my cup overflows. He didn't say it will overflow. He didn't say that at some point in the past it overflowed. In the present, my cup overflows. In this world with all that I face and all that I suffer, now watch, in the context of our passage, even in the presence of my enemies, even as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even as the shepherd has to make me lie down and rest because I'm afraid sometimes, even in spite of all these things, my cup overflows. That's a life-changing mentality. My cup overflows. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this. He said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. There's the reality. There's going to be problems in this life. Jesus doesn't beat around the bush, shares that reality with us. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But he said, take courage. He said, be encouraged. Because why? I have overcome the world. Can I ask you a question tonight, church? Listen to me. And respond audibly to this for me and with me. Do you believe what Jesus just said, I have overcome the world? Do you believe that? Now, hang on a second. You don't act like you do. Do you believe it? Yes. Then look, there's all in that one phrase. We have reason to live with joy every day of our life because this life, in this world, he has overcome it all. No matter what I face, I'm an overcomer because of Christ, who has anointed me with the Holy Spirit. John 15, 11 says this, These things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, watch, and that your joy may not or may be full, not half full. You're not lacking any joy here, so that my joy may be full. So here on the count of three, say this with me, my cup overflows. One, two, three, my cup overflows. Look, it's a life-changing mentality. You remember back during COVID, the toilet paper shortage? Y'all remember that? I took a picture of shelves. Hey, y'all know I walked to the Walmart today. You know, they're out of TV dinners. Can you believe it? I walked down the TV dinner aisle. There ain't no TV dinners. I was looking for a quick meal. Man, there was toilet paper shortage. There was the sanitizer, the, cleaner, the cleaning uh, shortage. And so what happened was there were rules implemented to keep. Y'all remember? Y'all could only get so many. You know, you you know, you get like two packs of toilet paper. So I take my two out to the car and I go sit in the car, send Braden in, go get two more. You know? I mean, I mean, we, we had to stock up, you know. They implemented rules, they weren't followed very well. I'm just kidding. I really did not do that. Don't I really didn't. I was completely kidding. But they implemented rules to give a fixed allowance to consumers. Now, listen, here's why I just, I'm a little being a little comical, but the blessings of God given to us in Jesus Christ, watch, are never rationed. Never. You never come to God and he runs short on mercy and grace. Never. He never tells you you can have this many or this much never happens. He always has mercy and grace and strength and patience, kindness, love, gentleness, self-control, etc. From the overabundance of his grace, we have received one blessing on top of another and his grace just keeps on coming. It overflows in our life. What a blessing to be his child. Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. Now watch this, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, watch, he will abundantly pardon. I find it interesting that the prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, didn't just say he will pardon. He said he will abundantly pardon. And then in Ephesians 3, eight, he says, or uh, Psalms 130, 137, he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord there is loving kind. In the Lord there is loving kindness. And with him, watch, is abundant redemption. Again, not there's redemption. There's abundant redemption. Ephesians 3.8, to me, the very least of all the saints. This was given to preach to the Gentiles. This faith was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. The unfathomable riches of Christ. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come to give you life. And I have come to give you life. What? More abundantly. It's a life-changing mentality. Y'all remember the story of the prodigal son? When the prodigal son returned home, in this story that Jesus tells, we we read nothing of the reluctancy of his daddy. Now think about that. We read nothing of the reluctancy of his daddy. You know, the son comes home, and, well, son, you you know what you did was wrong. You know, you shouldn't have left. You blew all your money. I'm ashamed of you, and I just, you know... I gave you my inheritance. I trusted you with it, but you blew it all, and you messed up. No, we don't don't read anything of that nature. But we read that the father, the daddy, he sprinted to meet his son. He sprinted to meet him, and he hugged him and kissed him. He put the best clothes on him. He put a ring on his finger. He didn't go feed him a TV dinner. <laughs> they had a cookout. They threw a party. Because his son that was lost was now home. See, that's what David experienced. Abundant pardon. Abundant redemption. My cup overflows. Look, the table reminds us that God replenishes us through his provision. The oil reminds us that God replenishes us through his purpose, and the cup reminds us that we are replenished through praise because our cup overflows. Church, we got much to praise God about. David said that these things were his. How do they become yours? How do they become mine? Ephesians 1.3 says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That's the answer. All of this is rooted in Christ. The whole narrative of the Bible points us to Jesus. So I asked, what did the table mean for Jesus? What did the oil mean for Jesus? Let's ask, what did the cup mean for Jesus? We're done after looking at this. Y'all remember when Jesus, before he went to the cross, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Y'all remember he was under such stress and anxiety that he literally, his sweat glands burst, and he sweat great drops of blood. And it says, y'all remember what he prayed to his father. He said, Father, let this cup pass for me, but not my will. Be done, yours be done. What was the cup in Jesus' life? It was the cup of suffering. It was the cup of the wrath of God toward sin. This is the cup that was given to Jesus. And so why did the perfect son of God have to drink this cup of suffering? Isaiah 53, 6 says, because all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's why Jesus had to drink this cup of suffering. The apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. When he died for our sins, the wrath of divine judgment that should have been mine and should have been yours fell on Jesus Christ. And so the cup in Jesus' life was a cup of suffering that was reserved for you and me, but he took it for us. You see, he drank the cup of suffering. Now listen to me very carefully. He drank the cup of suffering so that you and I could drink the cup of blessing. Church, my cup overflows. Your cup, if you're in Christ, your cup overflows. I want to invite you to stand to your feet tonight as we close in a word of prayer, as we have prayer together tonight. We got a baptism tonight, amen? So we have someone wanting to follow the Lord and believers' baptism, so we're going to do that here in just a moment. But as we just have a moment tonight of prayer as we close our thoughts on this uh, verse of Scripture, let's just pause and in this quiet moment, can you just give God praise for being so good to you? Because your cup overflows, my cup overflows. Let's spend some time with the Lord in prayer. Father, tonight we thank you, God, for being so, so good. Lord, I thank you for your word, and and Lord, how the truth of this psalm is just really, really uh, challenging my own heart and life. And Lord, I can see it changing me in so many ways. And God, help us to realize that our cup overflows. Lord, no matter what we face in life, what valleys we walk through, what enemies surround us, uh, God, when we feel anxious and fearful, our cup overflows. And God, I'm thankful for Jesus who died on the cross for all sin, that he paid the price that we could not pay. God, I'm thankful that anyone who calls on his name can be saved, no matter what they've done, where they've been, Lord, how bad they think they are. Our Lord Jesus died for all, and he can save anyone who will call on his name. So, Father, we thank you tonight. For redemption through Christ. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you give us strength for our journeys, no matter, uh, Lord, where we're at. Uh, Lord, you prepare a table before us. Uh, Lord, even in the presence of whatever it is we're facing, whatever it is we're battling, you prepare a table. You give us the necessary strength to keep moving. Uh, God, we often get tired and we get weary in this life, and Lord, I pray in those moments, because those moments are going to happen again, I know they're going to happen again in my life. And Lord, I pray in my life and in the lives of those here tonight that when those moments happen, God, that our minds will go to Psalms 23 and that we'll again, God, be reminded about how good our shepherd is to us and how you give us everything in this life we need to be victorious. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you for for Michael who's placed his faith in you for salvation. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that he wants to follow you and tell everyone here that he's decided to follow you with his life. And, Lord, so I just pray your blessings over him, that he would grow, that he would walk in the faith, Lord, and and live in accordance with your word. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. I'm going to ask you to be seated just a moment. Brother Eric's going to come lead us in a song. Michael, come and get ready for baptism, brother, and we're going to baptize you. 230. Faith in Jesus and needed to be baptized. And he works a lot of Sundays. He said, Man, we'll, we'll do it on a Wednesday. And so I'm thankful for Michael's faith in Jesus. Michael, if you decided to follow Jesus Christ with your life? Yes, sir. It's therefore my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Bear it in his life. Praise him for newness of It's a little chilly in here. I think the air condition got to it. But thank you all for being here tonight. And uh, y'all are a blessing. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Fred, if he will, to close us in prayer tonight.